Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everyone. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pal Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. You can find them online at malkasports.com. We've got a lot to talk about this week. There's so much going on in the sports world, the business world. So it's just going to be me and Griggs. No guests this week. Griggs, how are you? I'm good. And, you know, I always enjoy a time where you and me can banter and talk about some topics and headlines. And uh, it's always a fun time to just, you know, hang out and chat. Well, Griggs, we've been doing this show for about 17 years. And I can only think of a handful of times where we've recorded a show and then it's quickly outdated. So this segment is being recorded today when this podcast airs Tuesday because it's big news. Uh, John Gruden is out as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Griggs, this has so many different layers to it. So we'll try and cover this in the next few minutes. Yeah. Um, well, like we've always said, you know, these stories are fluid and things change all the time. So, yeah, this is just too big not to ignore and we had to pop back on and record this because it's just a it's a big story and uh, definitely needs to be talked about. All right. So here's the lowdown is the NFL is doing an investigation into the Washington football team based on allegations of a toxic culture under the ownership of Daniel Snyder. So as part of this investigation, they've uncovered six hundred and fifty thousand emails. That's a lot of emails. And part of these emails that were uncovered were from between 2011 and 2018, and they're emails between then Washington football team executive Bruce Allen, who oversaw football operations, and John Gruden, when Gruden was working with ESPN. And Gruden and Allen knew each other from their days together with the Raiders years ago. Well, these emails were vile. They're inappropriate. This wasn't a one-time thing where one email was sent and uncovered. And oh my gosh, this was 10 years ago. And these were over the course of seven years. There's multiple emails offending lots of different people. And they're completely inappropriate and and vile. And there's so many layers to the story. We'll talk about it more next week on Sports Business Radio. But first of all, completely inappropriate. Secondly, it shows everyone out there. If you have emails or texts or anything in the digital realm from your past, boy, you better hope that those never get uncovered because, you know, 
it, it shows who you really are. And it also shows that the Raiders, even though they've employed Gruden now, they can go back and say, you tarnished our brand, which he totally has. We're getting rid of you now for something you did 10 years ago or five years ago before you were with us. Sponsors, season ticket holders, no one wants to be associated with the Raiders if John Gruden is the coach and this is how he thinks. And it's pretty obvious this is how he thinks. Griggs, I was trying to think to prepare for this segment other than maybe Michael Vick or Tiger Woods. Um, has anyone lost this much money as part of a deal? So John Gruden signed a 10-year, $100 million contract. He's going to lose the remaining seven years and $70 million on his contract as part of this because the Raiders can certainly say they're parting ways with him with cause. I don't think Vic lost that much. I don't think Tiger Woods lost that much. And by the way, you know, you could argue what they did wasn't as bad as what Gruden has done. That's a conversation for another day. But as part of this, Griggs, Gruden is losing $70 million. These are very expensive emails that he has sent. And, you know, the mentality he has is just not acceptable in today's world, much less the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, 70 million, that's just unfathomable. And obviously the Raiders made the right choice here. And Gruden's going to have a tainted future. I mean, where does he go now? How do, how do you get a job? How do you get hired? How do you work in this industry? It's, it's going uh, to be a long haul for him. Yeah, no, he's done. He's done. And that's the other part of this too, that you think of Joe Paterno, John Gruden, uh, you know, if you're following Eric Clapton right now, there are people whose legacies are being defined. You can run the first three quarters of the race flawlessly, but in the end, if you screw up or your true self is revealed, that is the defining part of your legacy. That is the first two sentences of your obituary or the paragraph of your Wikipedia page. So, I think Gruden, whenever people mention John Gruden in the future, they're going to think of this story first, and they're going to think of these vile emails first. They're not going to think of his coaching, the fact he won a Super Bowl. And you can say that's fair or unfair. That's going to be the defining legacy of John Gruden. Now, let's not let the, the Raiders off the hook so easily here. The NFL sent the Raiders these emails three days before Gruden resigned. They sat on these. They could have said, hey, look, this is unacceptable. We're, we're getting rid of John Gruden immediately. It wasn't until the New York Times story came out with the completely vile nature of the emails and that there were numerous emails and that he offended basically every group you can offend before they said, hey, let's get Mark Davis, the owner down here to the practice facility, and we need to part ways with Gruden. He did a press conference four hours before he resigned and no one really brought this up until the New York times story came out. And at that point, the Raiders had no choice, but Griggs, I'm telling you this right now. I have not seen the other 650,000 emails, but I guarantee you it's the old saying where there's smoke, there's fire. These emails that have been uncovered as part of the investigation into the Washington football team and Daniel Snyder, I think we're going to find that this is how a lot of people in the NFL think. And I'm going to be real honest here with you until there's more minority ownership in the NFL. Cause right now it's mostly old white guys. This is the mentality of the league. We're getting a glimpse of people in senior positions, whether it's owners, GMs, coaches who think like this, this is toxic. This is dangerous. It needs to change. How do you change it? One of the ways to change it is to get, diverse voices in the room, get people who are owning these teams to be of color. It's not going to change until that time. But Griggs, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg on the story. And everyone talks about, including us, how great the NFL ratings are on TV. But I have a feeling if you peel back the layers of the NFL, there's a lot of these types of conversations taking place and they're pretty ugly. Yeah. 650,000 emails too. I mean, you got to think there's more people involved in this and uh, maybe more heads are going to roll down the street. But uh, yeah, it's uh, 
it's a mess and it's a disaster and it just keeps and it's the thing I don't like about like you mentioned with the Raiders it's it's reactive they're reacting when they have to react rather than taking care of it when they need to take care of it it's waiting until oh now it's public okay now we'll fire him and that's not right either it needs to happen earlier well and isn't it interesting that these emails about Gruden come out as part of the Washington football team investigation but it's like the league is protecting Dan Snyder. Where are the other 650,000 emails? Why haven't those come out? Is it because they're trying to protect one of their franchises and one of the owners of one of their franchises? They don't want to tarnish the value if Dan Snyder's forced to sell the team, which I think is how this ends, is they're going to find out it was so toxic there and there were so many horrific things taking place that they don't want an owner in their league who operates like Dan Snyder does but why haven't those emails come out? I think they will soon, but gosh, uh, you know, again, there's so many different layers to this story, but it's an ugly story. It's a glimpse into the mentality of pro sports and the culture that exists today, and it needs to change. We'll talk about this a lot more on upcoming editions of Sports Business Radio, but since it's such a big story and it was breaking news, we felt like we needed to jump in at the top of the podcast and discuss this. So Griggs, we'll keep our eyes on this. Uh, I think, like I said, we're just at the beginning of this story. Yeah, I think this is a, a big saga that's going to continue. And like like you said, I think the Raiders ownership management could change. Yeah, it's a, it's a fluid story. And I agree, we had to jump on and talk about this. This is big time. Team owners set the tone for their organization. CEOs and leaders set the tone for the organization. If this is how people at the top think, that's how your organization's going to run. It needs to change. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Hi, it's Brian Berger here. In addition to hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm also the co-founder of the consulting firm Everything is on the Record. Since 2007, we've been working with CEOs, corporate spokespeople, pro sports team owners, athletic directors, elite athletes, and coaches to help them navigate the tricky media and social media landscape. My business partner is Rick Buecher of Fox Sports. As part of a new partnership with e-learning platform Open Sesame, we are now offering many of our teachings via on-demand courses available on video. Courses include presenting your best self in a video meeting. Your personal brand is connected to your employer's brand. Pause before you post, text, and email. And scrubbing your social media. To take any of our insightful video courses on demand, Visit OpenSesame.com and type in the words, everything is on the record in the search. That's OpenSesame.com. To learn more about how we can provide a customized training session for your organization, visit EverythingIsOnTheRecord.com. That's EverythingIsOnTheRecord.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We've said this before, but I felt like this was the weekend this past weekend where post-pandemic, and I know we're still in a pandemic, but fans returning to events and things looking like they're more normal, this was the most normal weekend, and it was just a, a weekend full of uh, sports events and sports topics. Last week, we did the best of Sports Business Radio. We stepped into the Sports Business Radio vault with Maria Taylor, Tom Rinaldi, and Bonnie Bernstein. If you haven't listened to that, it really is a master class in journalism. We invite you to go back to that, but let's catch up on some things. Let's start with last Sunday, Tom Brady returned to New England and Griggs, it produced the second best audience for Sunday night football on NBC ever. So we talked about how it was going to get really terrific ratings. The game came down to the end. There was drama. It really was a recipe for ratings gold, and that's what it turned out to be. Yeah, I mean, NBC could not be happier. It was a perfect game, like you said, came down to the end, back and forth, just all kinds of stories and drama lines and just an awesome game. It was fun to fun to see him play, fun to see him go back against Belichick. And yeah, I think it was uh, it was cool. And even the fans, you know, fans back, you have signs of, you know, Brett Welkin and Brady back. And it was cool to see both sides of all that game back and forth. Great time. And, you know, everyone wanted to see what was the interaction between Tom Brady and Robert Kraft. What's the interaction between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And what were the fans going to do with Brady? Were they going to cheer him? Were they going to boo him? So there was all that drama. But in the end, Tom Brady was victorious. And Bill Belichick, you know, gave a quick hug and was 
you know, complimentary of Tom Brady in the post-game press conference, but it had all the elements for those great ratings. And Griggs, the ratings for the NFL, remember last year, we're like, oh, they're down a little bit. And why are they down? And this and that and the other. Well, now, you know, again, we've returned to full stadiums. And here's what the big picture of the NFL viewership looks like so far. So check these stats out. The top 21 TV shows since the season started, they're all NFL games. There's no one else in the top 21 of the ratings, not award shows, no one else. Top 21 shows since the NFL season started are all NFL games. NFL games are averaging 17.3 million viewers on TV and digital. That's a 17% increase over last season. NBC is up 24% over last year. CBS and ESPN are up 22% from last year. These are the kinds of numbers that make NFL the most attractive live programming commodity in TV and in digital. Uh, You know, we've talked about the Manning cast and how those numbers have gone up every single time that they've been on. But uh, NFL viewership is up big this year, Griggs. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, NFL is, and like we've always said, NFL is king. It shows in the ratings. And even like you said last year with the dip, quote unquote, dip in the ratings, they're still killing it. And then they come back like this and they're just on fire, as we expected. Obviously, fans are back in the stadiums and fans are back watching because it's fun to watch football when there's fans. Even if you're not in the stadium, you just get the energy from it. So NFL is always king and continues to be king and not surprised that they are at the top again. And I mean, it's just so funny. We we joke about how even the the paltry NFL games get bigger ratings than Major League Baseball playoffs or the NBA Finals. So you had the Jacksonville Jaguars and Cincinnati Bengals play two Thursdays ago on Thursday night football. And, you know, look, Jacksonville, as of this recording, hasn't won yet. Cincinnati's having a decent year, but these are not two marquee teams. They got over 8 million viewers. And again, that's more than a Major League Baseball playoff game is getting. It's equivalent or a little bit more to an NBA Finals game. So even the worst NFL viewing experience still gets big numbers. So that's where you just shake your head and go, wow, you know, the NFL is truly king of TV and digital. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just the sport of football, but I'm the same way. Like if there's a game on, that's a baseball game or something else. And then there's an NFL game on at the same time, I'm watching NFL. I don't care who it is. It's just, it's football. I'm watching football. So somehow they've just, they've worked their way into our lives where it's just football's king. That's what I want to watch. If it's on, I don't care who's playing. I'm watching football. Okay. So we're West coasters. And on Sunday, you had the game in London, the Jets, the Falcons, two, you know, one win teams in London, 6 a.m. Pacific time start. Are you getting up and watching that? Uh, a little bit into it. I did not get up at six, but I was up about seven and I flipped it on. So, um, yes, I'm watching it. Not entirely, but I am definitely kind of up watching it with coffee. Yeah. So coffee and the NFL. And this is why, uh, you know, they talk about if a team ever played in London, you could have this early window of NFL and you'd have it basically to itself, right? Where it's a 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern start. The betting is just focused on that game, much like Sunday night football, Monday night football, or Thursday night football. So it's one of the draws. But Griggs, why do we keep sending the stinkiest teams in the NFL over to play in London? Like if you're in London, you're looking at this just going, uh, can you send some better teams over here than the ones that you send over? It seems like every time a team goes to London, it's just, it's not a very good game. Yeah, I think that is kind of, if I was over there, I'd be like, come on, send me send me one of the big teams. Let's get the Patriots over here. Let's get the Bears. Let's get one of these, you know, nationally world-known teams. I agree. They kind of send the, the trashier teams. But as you were saying on the West Coast, we are. I love that I can get up and watch football on Sunday. Literally, that game starts, then we roll right into the 10 a.m. start, and then you've got NFL all day long. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about some other topics. College football. Number one, Alabama goes down to Texas A&M this past Saturday. Here are some streaks that were snapped in that game, Griggs. Check these out. A hundred straight wins versus unranked opponents. The last loss was in 2007. It was the longest streak in the AP poll era. So the team that was ranked number one had not lost 
to an unranked team since 2008, Alabama had 100 straight wins versus unranked teams. Nick Saban, 24 straight wins against former assistants while at Alabama. This was his first loss. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M head coach, former Nick Saban assistant, first time he's ever lost to one of his assistants. And Alabama had a 19-game win streak, longest active in the FBS. They hadn't lost since January of 2019. So, I mean, a lot has happened since 2019, including a pandemic, and Alabama had not lost that entire time. So, some huge repercussions. You know, Alabama, they probably won't drop much in the polls, even though they lost to an unranked team. They'll probably end up making the college football playoffs. But there were some, uh, you know, big streaks that were snapped with that loss against Texas A&M. It's so hard to go through a college football season, no matter who you are, and be undefeated. And Bama's done it many times. But uh, I think we've talked about this, like when uh, Brady and Belichick were on their runs. Everybody in the world, when that when those teams lose, other than the Boston area, is 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 exploding in in cheering. And I think that's the same way. I think you could hear a nationwide cheer last night when Alabama lost that game. Other than the Alabamians, because you know it's kind of fun as me as an outside of. Uh, College football, I'm not a big Bama fan, but it's fun to see these big, giant teams finally lose a game, and especially an unranked team. But that was a good game. I mean, Bama made a run. That was so close in the end. I was hanging on like, are they going to actually pull this out or not? Crazy game. Well, and that field goal looked like it was going to be wide right, and it like curved in. It was like a golf shot. He he played the curve, and it curved back in. And, you know, lo and behold, the Texas A&M field goal was good as time expired. So that didn't look like it was going to be good, but... What a Saturday of college football. Maybe one of the best Saturdays we've seen in years. You had Oklahoma win with three seconds left against Texas in the rivalry there. So, I mean, that was a compelling game. You had Iowa come back and beat Penn State. Uh, Notre Dame and Michigan won at the end against their opponent. So, just some compelling games on Saturday. And it's going to be an interesting rest of the college football season just because some of these big teams have gone down. Georgia is number one now. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Alabama always seems to fight their way back, not lose a game, even if they've lost early on and, and make the college football playoff. But maybe we'll have some new blood in the college football playoff. I certainly would be for that. I'm so tired of Alabama and Clemson every single year in Ohio State and Notre Dame. And like, let's get some new teams in there. So I would actually be much more interested in that than, you know, having the same old, same old. A hundred percent agree. And a few of the announcers I was listening to over the weekend were saying they'll be shocked if, you know, we get to the college football playoff with an undefeated team. Georgia looks like they're unstoppable right now, but still, it just seems that kind of a year. There's lots of upsets, tons of top 10 teams going down. So, you know, I love that's the fun of college football. It's like on a given Saturday, any team can beat any team. And that's what makes it so uh, compelling and fun. I agree. Let's get four new teams in that playoff. All right, Major League Baseball playoffs are underway. And I said on Twitter, I think there needs to be a reseeding after the wild card round. So you've got that play in wild card round, the single game elimination. And once you get through that, they've got to reseed the teams. Why? Because you have 107 win San Francisco Giants playing 106 win. Los Angeles Dodgers in round two. That is ridiculous. They're the two best teams in baseball and they're meeting in round two. You've got to do reseeding. It's been a good series so far, but I just don't think it's fair to those teams over the course of the season. You win that many games and you're matched up against each other in round two of the playoffs. That just doesn't seem like it makes sense. Yeah, and it's tough, too, because some of these games are at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a work day. I mean, I think their their scheduling is weird, too, because you're taking viewers yeah. away. Like, I didn't even know the other day. I didn't even know what the game had started. And they're like, oh, Houston won. I'm like, oh, that's right. It started at 2 p.m. my time. And it's like, I don't get that. And also, they were talking about the Dodgers' first game. It's like 5 o'clock in L.A. And the stands are half empty because nobody can get to the game in L.A. by 5 o'clock. So there's, there's some scheduling right. issues for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things. It's kind of like the NCAA tournament when True TV comes into the mix and you're like, okay, where are these games? And I'm tuning into networks that I've never tuned into before. With Major League Baseball playoffs, it's like it's a secret. Okay, what time does the game start? Where is it going to be? That's why, 
you know, unless it's a compelling series like Giants Dodgers and the games are taking place at night, you're right. During the day when people are working, you know, it used to be cool to put the games during the day when you just had the three main networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, you know, and I remember like during school, you're like, Ooh, I'm going to like either watch the game somehow or play hooky or whatever. Now there's a million things on TV and trying to find major league baseball playoffs is, is difficult. So, you know, that's why the ratings for the major league baseball playoffs are not great. And that's why the world series ratings have been down for the last several years. So they've got to play these games at times where more people can watch and attend. They've got to make it easier to find the games and like, you know, put out the bat signal where people know, okay, you know, Houston and Chicago are playing like that series is going to be over Griggs and no one's going to even have known it took place. They're going to go, Oh, they already played three or four games. Like when did that happen? Yeah. And I think, like you said, it's a secret. Like who watches TBS? I, I had to look for it on the view. I'm like, where's my TBS channel? And then it's like, maybe they do a, like some of these football games, more of the major cast where it's on TBS, but it's also on NBC or whatever it is. So you can find it on some of the main channels. But yeah, I think there needs to be some restructuring, rescheduling for sure. All right. The other big thing that took place this past weekend on Saturday night was the Fury versus Wilder fight number three. Griggs, did you have a chance to watch any of it or see any of it on social? Any of the clips? Did you follow along? I did a little on social. I saw some of the recap on it and some clips, but I didn't watch it in prime time. Um, Did you see it? Oh, my gosh. Those two threw haymakers throughout. They each knocked each other down multiple times. I mean, these are big men. These are heavyweights, big, big men. Uh, Fury's never lost. I don't think, I think he's 32. Oh, and one now, uh, Wilder just has a heart. I mean, that dude was like out on his feet in round five and somehow lasted until the 11th round. I thought I was watching Rocky, you know, like <laughs> the first Rocky movie where Rocky's like basically out on his feet for the last several rounds. But these dudes were just throwing haymakers at each other. And a lot of people on social were saying, this is the best fight of all time. This is the best heavyweight fight. Okay, look, we all have a recency bias. I'm a longtime boxing fan. I grew up watching boxing. I'm going to tell you that the Thrilla in Manila was better than this. I'm going to tell you, as I posted on Twitter, I posted the whole fight. If you want to watch it at SB Radio on our Twitter feed, I, I put the link out. Uh, Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns, that's the best fight I've ever seen. Those two dudes came out and like sprinted to the the center of the ring and just started throwing haymakers at each other and basically bludgeoned each other for like three or four rounds until that fight was over. Um, It was a short fight, but what a fight it was. This was a great fight, and I think it's exactly what boxing needs in order to be relevant again. But come on, let's not call it the best fight. Ever, but I think what it did is a lot of people want to see a fourth fight because they're like, wow, this was entertaining. People will pay to watch guys. How many times have we seen Griggs like with Mayweather versus Pacquiao, these fights that are built up to be these big things and they basically dance with each other for 10 or 12 rounds? These dudes came out and they were fighting, there were knockdowns, there were haymakers. That's what boxing fans want to see. A hundred percent. Yeah. You don't like the dance. You like the ones that go out there and actually fight. That's the whole point of the uh, sport. And I agree with you too. Like it's so generational, like you and me are an older generation. These kids are saying this is the best fight ever. Well, they never saw the ones that we grew up watching. So it's, you know, every generation has the quote best fight ever, but I agree the heavyweights when they just go out there and pound for pound and just knock people out. It is fun. I still don't know how these guys get back up and keep fighting. I mean, if I was out there, I'd be toast in one swing. <laughs> well, especially against those dudes, you get hit once. Like I saw some of the the shots that Wilder was getting hit with before he finally was knocked out by Fury. And I mean, it's like a car accident every time you're getting hit. And this dude's still on his feet somehow. So yeah, those are some big blows. And you're right. You and I would go down in, in one punch, but Hey, look, if someone's going to pay me $4 million to get in a ring with someone and you know, I can just get hit once then. Okay. I, I'd probably take the four mil. Yeah. I mean, these boxers are some of the richest athletes because you're right. They, they fight once every, you know, a year, six months, 18 months, and they make four five, 10, 8 million bucks to get in the ring. So yeah, not too bad of a living. Well, and I'll bet you the pay-per-view numbers, we don't have them yet, but I bet you they were really good 
for that fight. So again, I'd be surprised if there's not a fourth fight. I think fans want to see it. I think fight three that we just saw on Saturday was, you know, very entertaining and boxing just doesn't have very many entertaining matchups anymore. So, you know, uh, I think they got to be relevant for a night and it was good for the sport. And, you know, maybe this breathes some life back into boxing. All right, Griggs, this past week and really the last couple of weeks, there have been some big crises. And I think most people who've listened to this show for a long time know that when I'm not hosting this show, uh, I have started Sports PR Summit in New York. Um, I've been a crisis PR consultant. I work with team owners, with coaches, with athletes. So I wanted to weigh in from that perspective on a few things that we've seen recently. Let's start with the NWSL. Um, Gosh, what a mess, Griggs. And if you look at this and what's happened, and head coach Paul Riley is at the center of all of this, it's really not that shocking. And, And it's sad to say that, but if you just look at the foundation and how this has been set up, I'm not surprised we are where we are right now. So uh, if you haven't heard this story, Google Paul Riley. He's the former coach of the Portland Thorns. I think he coached in New York. And he was recently let go by North Carolina after these allegations of abuse and improper conduct surfaced. So one of the things that happens in corporate world today, Griggs, is If something bad happens on your watch, if you just get rid of the person, that's not enough anymore. You've got to let people know who may think of hiring this person in the future. Hey, look, this person is toxic. They're flammable. They're inappropriate. Whatever the case may be, it needs to be more than just sweeping it under the rug and saying, hey, you know. We got rid of this person on our watch, but we're not going to warn the next people that this person has these skeletons in their closet. So that's number one. I don't care if this is sports or business or whatever corporation you're in. You've got to let people know, look, this is the lay of the land. And if you don't, then you're seen as irresponsible on your end. At the core of this, Griggs, look at the U.S. women's national soccer team. And we've had... Abby Wambach, we've had Lindsay Horan, we've had Megan Klingenberg, we've had Midge Purse, we've had several of those players on this show, if you want to go back and listen to those interviews. But there's an active lawsuit right now between U.S. women's national soccer and the players for equal pay. And the NWSL is set up with players who are mainly on the U.S. women's national team And the U.S. women's national team pays the salary or most of the salary of these players. It's seen as a a development and training place, the NWSL is. So if you just start from that alone, the players are at odds with U.S. women's national team. And the NWSL is a league comprised of these players. And the players are paid by U.S. women's national team. And there's an active lawsuit like... That's a bad start to begin with. Then what you have is you have a lot of the major league soccer teams who also own NWSL teams, okay? And these MLS teams are owned primarily, let's face it, by old white guys. There's not a lot of women who are running the teams in these leagues, and sometimes the NWSL team is an afterthought to the MLS team if they're run by the same organization. It's like, oh, by the way, we have an NWSL team and you know you need to devote some uh time to them and we're gonna we're gonna take them on because we already have that infrastructure in place. So there's a dysfunction between US women's national team, NWSL, MLS. And then Griggs, NWSL, the commissioner Lisa Baird, she resigned head of legal counsel resigned. And a lot of people I've spoken with have said NWSL is basically like the the league office. It's not really a league office. It's just a bunch of the teams and there's no one really running the ship. And if you look at what Angel City FC has done, remember we had Abby Wambach on 
and we had uh, Julie Ehrman on, who's the president. This is the blueprint, in my opinion, of what an NWSL team and front office should look like. It needs to be women-led. You can't have old white guys leading women's sports. And if you want to see the other blueprint, look at what Kathy Engelbert, who's also been a guest on this show, WNBA commissioner, look at what she's done since she took over as commissioner of the WNBA. They have a new collective bargaining agreement. The players earn more money. They have better rights. They have better travel accommodations. It's a much better player-friendly league where the players have more rights. Thus, the league and the players get along better. The NWSL needs someone in there, whether it's a former player. I mean, I think Abby Wambach would be great. Julie Foudy, Mia Hamm. These are some names that should be at the top of the list of the new commissioner of the NWSL. And if you need to bring in some people who are business savvy, some women to support those iconic soccer names as commissioner, then do it. But having people who don't have uh, the insight that a player has run these leagues, it's just not going to work anymore. And now, Griggs, you also see like not only are the NWSL players saying we want to be protected, we want equal rights. Um, but you're seeing this from women's players in other leagues in other countries. They're also saying, you know what? We're sick of being treated like this, and it needs to change. And Griggs, it does need to change. And, you know, I, I think it needs to be women-led going forward, and the NWSL league office needs to be women-led, and it needs to be stronger, and it needs to be someone, frankly, stronger than Lisa Baird who, you know, by all accounts, didn't take these reports of uh, what Paul Riley was doing seriously enough. And you just can't do that in this day and age. Paul Riley. And the thing that makes me just disgusted about this and all these stories when these come out of the allegations of, you know, people and sexual harassment and everything is the cover up. I just I don't understand it. You saw it with, you know, Nasser and the gymnastics. You saw it at Penn State with that story. And it's just uh, that's the sickening part of it is these guys especially just keep covering up for each other and burying it under the rug. And then it never comes out. And then when it finally does, we have this big blow up and then it's, nobody knows what to do with it. So I think dysfunction is, is huge in these big sports leagues and it needs to change. And I also agree with you saying NWSL needs that women leadership because it's their league. And we're seeing that starting to happen with Angel City, some of these other teams. And that's great. And I think we need more of that 100%. Well, and again, the blueprint is laid. It's what Angel City FC has done in the NWSL. You've got Natalie Portman and Jennifer Garner and Serena Williams and Billie Jean King and all these great women investors for that team. That team is women run and led. That's what this league needs to be. If you look at what Kathy Engelbert has done with the WNBA, the blueprint is there. I mean, frankly, if I was the NWSL, I'd go try and poach Kathy Engelbert. I would say, hey, what amount of money is it going to take to get you to come do what you've done for the WNBA, for the NWSL? I don't know if they've got the, the money, and I don't know if I was Kathy Engelbert if I would make that move, but she's the type of person that they need, or they need to go get one of the iconic women's soccer players, like I said, Abby Wambach or Mia Hamm or Julie Foudy or Brandy Chastain or someone, and then support that person with strong business acumen as well. And I'm not saying they don't know business, but like, you know, bring someone in who knows legal and sponsorships and all of that stuff. The good news is no sponsors have dropped yet. So NWSL has had a great year with sponsor support. And more and more sponsors are supporting women's sports, which is great. So I hope that they don't lose sponsors as a part of this, but they got to get their act together. And they have to announce soon who's going to be leading this league and they need to structure things different. And these teams need to have a president and a GM who's a woman and who understands the players. And it shouldn't be an afterthought. Oh, you know, we run an MLS team and the NWSL team is the afterthought. And we'll just, you know, times two the, the workload. So whoever's running the MLS team will also run the NWSL team. No, it needs to be separate. And then, you know, they need to recognize they've got a full-blown crisis here. And the board of directors needs to figure this out for the NWSL. So they've got their work cut out for them. But I also think they have an opportunity to reset this and do it the right way. 
And I think they have public sentiment on their side, which is going to help with sponsorships and, and making this kind of change. So it's going to be interesting to watch and see what happens. But I think this story's far from over, and uh, we're going to be paying close attention to it here. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Brian Berger here. As some of you may know, in addition to hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm also the founder of the Sports PR Summit. We've been building something very special there since when we launched in 2013. Noteworthy people such as Adam Silver, David Stern, Jamel Hill, Grant Hill, Tom Rinaldi, Lisa Leslie, Michael Vick, Jeremy Schapp, and Stephen Ross are just a few of the names who have joined us on stage to provide unique insight. We recently introduced the Sports PR Summit Collective. It's a way for everyone to stay in touch 24-7, 365. The Collective is the next evolution for our community of PR practitioners, media, and athletes. You'll find a counterpart day and night to ask and answer questions, share your inspiration, connect with colleagues, and celebrate victories. The technology that powers the Sports PR Summit Collective allows us to bring more valuable resources to our members and the industry. These include a members-only job board, a mentorship program, industry awards, courses in skill building, networking opportunities, and mastermind groups. You'll also still have the opportunity to attend our annual Sports PR Summit event in New York City, in person or virtually. And for the first time, we're also allowing access to students and entry-level communications executives. If you're a PR practitioner or a member of the media or an athlete, this is the community for you. Visit sportsprsummit.com for more information and to join the Sports PR Summit Collective. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right, other crises this week, Griggs. Urban Meyer. Okay, this guy, wherever he's gone, there's been controversy. Whether it's been at Florida with Aaron Hernandez and, and a bunch of other things, he always makes excuses for himself and for people on his staff. He's bigger than the rules. Ohio State. And now he's in the NFL, and you can't pull this stuff in the NFL. And he really can't pull it when you're with the new team and you're 0-4. So he doesn't fly back with Jacksonville after they lose. He sends the team back on their own, and he's like, I'm going to go to Columbus, and I'm going to go to my bar at Ohio State and do an appearance there. So, you know, I have a company called Everything is on the Record. And this is like exhibit A as to why everything's on the record. He's in a bar, and he meets some woman, and the woman's clearly close to his lap, and he did some inappropriate touching that is well-documented on video of this woman. And everyone can see it. It's, it's on video. That's the thing now, Griggs, is you, know, you can't say, oh, I didn't do this, because it's on video. It's for everyone to see. And someone in the bar got a picture of him inappropriately touching this woman. So when he comes out a few days later, and he downplays this, and he's like, well, I should have left earlier. I had a few drinks and I apologize that she was dancing too close to my lap. What? So first of all, you got to own your mistake. Okay. Whether it's good or bad, you, you got to own your mistake, no matter what the outcome is, especially when there's video of your mistake. This is not, he said, she said, there's a video of your mistake and urban Meyer's arrogance throughout his career makes him even more of a target when something like this happens. And according to multiple reports, he's lost that Jaguars locker room. And they, you know, he apologized to the team. And then he says, this is on you guys to fix this. And we have to come together and rah, rah, college football. Let's go. And he left the room and supposedly people laughed. This doesn't fly in the NFL. You're telling NFL players not to do stuff like this. And then you go do it. That's not going to fly with NFL players. They're going to say, we don't respect you. You don't have any credibility with us. You're telling us not to do something, but you did it yourself. And not only have you done this once, you've done this multiple times where you've put yourself above the rules. Griggs, it's going to be interesting, but I don't think Urban Meyer has a lot longer. And the sad thing is what probably happens here is Urban Meyer gets canned in, 
Jacksonville, and he probably goes and pivots right into the USC <laughs> head coach job and goes there and has no accountability. And as a college coach, you basically are judge and jury, and you can make your own rules. And if you're winning games and bringing in, you know, donor dollars and all that stuff, that's all they care about. But in the NFL, they actually care about winning and they care about how you run the locker room and being professional. And Urban Meyer just, I don't think he has that for the NFL. I've never been a fan of Urban because of, like you said, the excuses. Like he's always above the rules. His whole career, it's always been something else, somebody else's problem. And I love how this one, it's on video and he's still trying to say, oh, it's the woman's fault. She was dancing too close to me and all this stuff. It's like, come on, man, how do you excuse that? So I can't stand that. It's frustrating to see how he just keeps getting hired, keeps getting jobs. And I'm shocked he's not out of Jacksonville already. And he's also got the number one quarterback, number one pick quarterback, and they can't win a game. They can hardly score points. And it's just like, he's lost a locker room, like you said. I don't think he's going to be there for one or two more games. He'll be out. But I, I think you're right. He'll pivot to USC. Perfect spot for him because USC also kind of a train wreck of a program the last 10 years, at least. And uh, he can fit right in there and <laughs> see if he can keep bringing money to USC. It's just going to be a, another ongoing story. We'll see what ends up, but uh, not a big fan of Urban. Well, so, and this is in a, in a nutshell, you, you go back to the NWSL story that we just talked about and this story, and there's so many others. The culture of sports has always excused this behavior with men. And as long as that continues to happen, this behavior is going to continue and it needs to stop. There needs to be consequences. The owner of Jacksonville needs to say, no, Urban Meyer, this is not okay. And you need to show more remorse than that. And it's on video. And, you know, there's no margin for error for you the rest of the way, whether it's with winning games or your behavior representing this organization. But for years and years and years, and Griggs, I've worked in sports. I've worked in front offices. I've worked around teams. And when these cultures are created where people are not held accountable, this is the kind of stuff that happens and continues to happen. So, you know, you hear the word culture all the time, and it's a buzzword. But if you create a culture that allows for this kind of behavior, it's just going to keep going. All right. The last crises of the week, this was a really weird one. Um, it kind of reminded me of like that college sports scandal a few years ago where, you know, we saw all these celebrities that were like buying their kids into college and all of that kind of stuff. This kind of just came out of nowhere. It's one of those investigations that was going on. No one really knew about it. 18 NBA players accused of fraud on health insurance claims. Many of the players on the list were journeymen. I mean, it, this wasn't LeBron James or Dwayne Wade or uh, Joel Embiid. This was not superstars of the present or the past, but they all made more money than the average person. They made more money than you and me, even if you're a journeyman in the, in the NBA. Um, Chris Paul, when he was president of the NBA Players Association, one of the, his legacies, he did a great job with his staff and with Michelle Roberts of taking care of the past players. It used to be once you retired from the NBA, your insurance wasn't nearly as good as it was when you were playing in the NBA. And Chris Paul said, hey, no, we need to take care of the people who came before us. And the health insurance for retired players got much better than it's ever been before. But you read this story about these 18 players who essentially said, hey, we're going to the doctor. Here's the bills. Send me the reimbursement but they never actually went to the doctor and it's Sebastian Telfair and it's Darius miles and it's Glenn Davis and it's, you know, players of, of that ilk, Tony Allen and, you know, solid players, but again, not your superstars, but it doesn't matter who it is. It's dishonest and it doesn't look good for them. Doesn't look good for the NBA. And, you know, this, this sting was in the works for a while. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But these players are all in crises. I doubt any of them are going to serve jail time. But, you know, their reputation is certainly stained going forward. People are going to go, oh, yeah, that's the guy that was trying to, you know, milk the health insurance with the NBA Players Association. And, you know, whether it's being hired for appearances or endorsement deals or whatever, eh, I'm going to pass on that guy because he was involved in, in this controversy. 
two things on this that I, I wanted to say. The, the, they got found out. The thing that's funny how they got found out is because of mistypes, misspellings on their, on their documents, which I think right. is hilarious. And then number two, um, we go back to what we were talking about, about people not being held accountable and not being punished. Three of the guys on the list are back in the, quote, jailblazers era. And here they are still cheating 20 years later. It's incredible. Again, if you continue to allow and enable bad behavior and there's no accountability, it's going to continue. And again, I, I, whether it's in sports or business or schools or universities, we've talked about this. Larry Nassar, Jerry Sandusky, Urban Meyer, and, and you know, they all did different things. Paul Riley. These are different things. There's some, you know, Larry Nassar and Jerry Sandusky, very, very severe crimes that they committed. And they're both behind bars, by the way. Um, you know, Urban Meyer's not. John Gruden's not. Paul Riley's not. But it doesn't mean that people are going to want to, you know, embrace them and, and work with them. But the bigger picture here is we cannot allow this kind of behavior to continue. And the last thing I'll say on this is, does anyone, if you're a company out there and you're going to hire someone, specifically a high profile person like an Urban Meyer, can you please do your due diligence? Can you please talk to the past employers? Because I can name several names right now that I'm not going to name. And we're throwing one under the bus. They've been hired repeatedly. And they've been bad apples everywhere they've been. And if you just talked to the previous employer, you would know, oh, we probably don't want to hire this guy. But they keep getting hired. So either winning trumps all, money trumps all, or people aren't doing their due diligence in finding the bad behavior. And it's really not that hard to find. So if you're in HR, if you're hiring someone new, man or woman, talk to their past employers. Do some due diligence because if you don't, they're going to bring their toxicity to your culture and they're probably going to ruin your culture. And I'm not saying the Jacksonville Jaguars were uh, the healthiest of organizations, but when they signed Urban Meyer and he tried to bring one of his assistants with him, he made racist comments and He's doing what he's doing now. It was well-documented who Urban Meyer was and what he's done in the past. This was not a secret. There are many stories about him in the past, but when you hire Urban Meyer, you're hiring all of this stuff. So you can say, oh, hey, it's Urban Meyer, and he's won everywhere he's gone, and he's been a national champion, and he's going to turn my organization around. Well, guess what? He's bringing all this toxicity with him. And now that just got put into your organization. And even if they get rid of Urban Meyer, it's going to take some time to undo what he's done to that organization. So, I mean, it's just interesting to me. You had Tom Coughlin, who was part of that organization. And Tom Coughlin's one of the most respected people in sports and in the NFL. And he is a by-the-book guy. And then you bring in Urban Meyer, who's not a by-the-book guy. And, and look what you have. So, Griggs, you know, that's my soapbox. But... There's a lot of men behaving badly in sports right now. And as a man, I'm going to call it out. And um, it needs to change. And if it doesn't change, this is going to continue to happen. So I, I've given some you know, direction and some suggestions. I always hear on this show, hey, Berger, if you're going to criticize something, you better have some solutions. Well, I've offered some solutions during the show today. So if anyone's out there and they want to listen to some of that free advice, this is how we're going to change things. We need more women running women's sports teams. We need more people doing their due diligence on the men behaving badly. And we need people to be held accountable if they make big mistakes. And I'm not saying that people don't deserve a second chance, but if you've made a series of mistakes and then you're hired by a team and the team acts surprised when you make more mistakes and you basically show them you are who you presented yourself to be this whole time. Why should there be any surprise? Urban Meyer has been the same guy wherever he's been. People have just made excuses for him because he's won games. We'll end on this. I watched the, uh, and I don't want to give anyone any spoilers, but I watched uh, season two through its completion of Ted Lasso. And wow. I mean, it is so good. We've had Jeremy Swift on. If you missed that, it's on our YouTube channel and 
on iTunes and Spotify. Jeremy Swift plays Higgins on the hit show, Ted Lasso. We've had Coach Beard on from the hit TV show, Ted Lasso, but just such a good show. And, you know, the character development on that show is amazing, but uh, I thought season two was even better than season one. Some people might not agree with me, but uh, I thought the character development and getting into the depth of those characters, like I cannot wait for season three, and we know season three has already been greenlit by Apple+. Plus. Yeah, I have not watched the finale yet, but I have been watching season two and I agree with you. I think season one was more kind of comedic and more lighthearted. And then season two, they really started to develop the stories and the realness of each character and what they're going through and what they're struggling with and what they're doing. And it's just such a fun show. It's so well done. And like, I've never seen a better show where that really develops so many of the characters. You just really fall in love with the stories of each one of these characters, the coaches, the management. It's just, it's so well done. I look forward to it. And season three, yeah, I cannot wait. Well, and there's even some characters that turn into be different characters than we thought they were. So, you know, again, I'm not going to offer any spoilers, but, uh, you know, I just think when you can, the writing on that show is brilliant. Like if you, I feel like I have to watch those episodes a few times because there's so many good little nuggets that are in those lines, especially from Ted Lasso. You're just like, oh my gosh, what, what a great saying or what a great line that was the writers are brilliant and it's it's led by jason sudeikis and uh brendan hunt and uh bill lawrence and you know they let a lot of the actors on that show contribute to writing and directing and you can just tell i mean it's why they've won so many awards but uh gosh what a what a great season too yeah, I think you talk about quotable quotes of a show. I mean, there are so many good one-liners in there that you could just be like, oh, I'm I'm putting that on my post. I'm putting that on my whatever it is because they're so good. You could see it on a poster in your bedroom on a wall if you were a kid because there's just so many great lines. Characters are awesome. You can tell the writing is thought out and very intelligent. So great show. I, I just, I've loved it from start to finish. All right, Griggs, before we wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio, uh, I'll tease that we'll have an announcement coming soon. Our next Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo, is going to be coming up in November, so next month, and we've got a huge guest lined up for that conversation. We've had Mark Emmert and David Stern and Jeannie Buss and, um, you know, so many great sports business people join me for those conversations in the past. This will be virtual, so you will be able to watch on YouTube as well, but we'll make that announcement soon. But I'm very excited about the person that's going to be joining me, someone who is at the top of the sports business world and uh, really doing some impressive things in, in their arena. Yeah, you've always had awesome guests on there. And I think I feel like every time we do a road show, it's right in a good time. Like we have Jeannie Buss on right when there's stuff going on with the Lakers. We have these big names right in the middle of their, you know, whatever it is, controversy or they're winning or whatever it is. So I think it's always a very good and timely conversation. All right, a quick reminder, step into the Sports Business Radio vault on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Just 17 years of great conversations, but more recently, we've had Stephanie McMahon from WWE, Danica Patrick, Sue Bird, Kirk Herbstreet, Bob Costas, just some amazing guests. And you can go back and listen to any of those conversations on demand. We always appreciate it when you subscribe to the Sports Business Radio podcast and follow us on social media. So do those things if you would to support us. And uh, we love being in touch with you during the course of the week on social media in between podcasts. And uh, Griggs, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, this is fun. I always love covering start to finish pretty much everything in the sports world. So good time, good conversation and a fun show. Thanks. All right. Have a good week, everyone. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Brian Berger here. We've collaborated with our friends at Parish Project to create high-quality sports business radio clothing, including hoodies, long-sleeve t-shirts, and short-sleeve t-shirts. Each item comes in five different colors and a variety of sizes. These items are super comfortable, and you can wear them on Zoom calls, while working out, or when you're lounging around the house. Sports Business Radio has loyal listeners around the world. We'd love for you to post a picture rocking your Sports Business Radio gear. Tag us on Instagram or Twitter if you post. Get your official Sports Business Radio gear by going online to parishproject.com. That's parishproject.com. P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. 
Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.